Welcome to Lethal Lullabies, the podcast that takes you on a relaxing journey into the action-packed world of your favorite films. This time, we drift off to the latest film in the Predator series. And a personal favorite of ours here at the podcast. This dreamy tale of Naru and her Katamiya will lure you into sleep just as Naru does to the visiting Yauja. But before you snuggle up, make sure to follow us or write a review. Every click or rating helps others find the podcast and a restful slumber. All set? Good. Now, without further ado, find a good pillow and your trustiest blade, and get ready for Lethal Lullabies, Sedator, Pray for Sleep, Part One. Long ago, in one of the many vast landscapes of Mother Earth, long before muscled men trekked through sleepy forests and concrete jungles, before there were whispers, of visitors from beyond Father Sky. There was a girl named Naru, a hunter of dreams. Naru's story starts with a morning like any other morning. Her eyes are closed, dreams still dancing within her mind, while outside the wind bristles through the land, the trees, the grass. Every inch of her camp sways lightly in the wake of the morning breeze. Sunlight leaks slowly into the valley, still a hazy pre-dawn blue. All manners of wildlife blink awake in the changing light while Naru dozes comfortably in her teepee. The light 
has yet to invade her abode. But Naru's mother nudges the sleeping girl. They have a lot of work today. It's best to get moving while the air is still cool. Out in the glades, Naru, accompanied by her faithful pup, Sari, settles into her unique rhythm of digging. She's hasty in her movements, utilizing speed to pull up large, rooted vegetables. All around her, the other women work with calm purpose. They hum as they investigate each root or flower. There's curiosity and care in their work. Each plant is a discovery a piece to the puzzle of how to provide for their families. The task draws them into their worlds, in their own thoughts. However, Naru can find no such peace in her gathering. Her thoughts wander to the trees beyond the glade, as if sniffing out Naru's restless mind, Sari tracks off into the same woods. Naru smiles. She trained Sari since she was a pup, and it often feels as if Sari knows Naru's every thought. She leaves behind her bothersome work and follows her dog into the woods. Once she is alone with Sari, Naru breathes deeper. She stretches out extending her limbs to fill all the space she can. Here, away from the other women, Naru knows how to seek out her own peaceful world. She pulls out her hatchet and checks the balance. She has kept this hatchet with her for many years. And so she knows it's every scratch and blemish. The familiarity comforts her. She flings it across the woods and it rotates serenely landing blade first 
in the soft bark of a neighboring tree. Naru retrieves the hatchet and settles deeper into her mental world. There's a rustle in the trees behind them. Naru and Sari turn quietly to see a majestic deer grazing nearby. Naru crouches low and indicates to Sari to be quiet. The two ready themselves. Their heartbeats slow. Naru takes a breath in and then another As she releases her breath, a deep rumble echoes through the sky, like thunder bouncing across the many surfaces of an endless cave. She has never heard anything like this. She looks up to the sky where the sound boomed and in that moment the deer takes off Naru gives chase she is sure footed amongst the rocky terrain of the forest the deer too is confident in its motions through the trees. It's aware of Nadu at its side. But it doesn't change direction, nor does Nadu seek to close the gap. She bides her time, maintains her pursuit until the right moment when she lets her weapon fly. It loops through the air, rotating in neat little circles into the soft bark of a nearby tree. Her prey gallops away. But Naru's focus has already shifted to a different creature. Sari, her trusty pup, who whimpers nearby. Naru finds her friend ensnared in a strange trap. Teeth locked onto Sari's tail, but they are from no animal she has ever seen. The trap jingles as Sari pulls against it. Naru 
cautiously examines the device. It has a design and intent behind it. Naru recognizes its purpose. A snare. This means there's a hunter nearby. She loosens the snare and Sari leaps away, nursing her tail with a small bark. Naru pulls out some medicine from a leather pouch on her waist and rubs the salve along Sari's tail. The cooling paste and Naru's calm, gentle demeanor settle Sari's nerves. And the dog relaxes into Naru's care. Naru affectionately scratches her friend behind the ears and receives a joyful lick on the face. The same deep thunder from before rolls through the sky. Naru moves to more clearly see the source. The echoing roar appears to be emanating from a cloud or a force, something pushing through the sky, something flickering with lightning. Naru stands in awe of this concentrated storm plowing through the sky. Quickly, though, the mysterious force vanishes and the sky rests as if it had never been disturbed. In many ways, Naru's life also settles as if it had never been disturbed. She pushes the strange cloud and the deep rumbling from her mind. And soon, her familiar world flows back into place. She returns home to her tribe and her family and her elder brother, Tabe, and his broad mischievous smile. He wants to take her hunting. Naru grabs her bow and the two take off together. 
Nearby, the pair search the skies for tonight's dinner. Naru spots a bird gliding on the gentle breeze with a fish clutched in its talons. If she could bring down the bird, its own prey would serve as an excellent bonus. But the bird and its catch are headed too far away. Each beat of the bird's wings makes it harder and harder to guarantee success. Naru waits. And as she waits, her brother fills the silence with tales of his katamiya, his first big hunt. One where the prey would also be hunting the hunter. Tabe says, their father came to him and told him he was finally ready. He describes the rolling hills that their father and he climbed, the rain pouring out of the sky, and how early on his bowstring got ruined by the damp. Nadu thinks he's bragging, telling a long, boring story about how he became a hunter. A story like that could easily put even a great hunter to sleep. Naru loves her brother, but there's a sting every time she thinks of his success. Every time she thinks of his katamiya. It is a door to her next thought that she will never have her own chance. That the silent peace she finds in her mind will only come from hunting alone in secret. Even here with her brother, she cannot feel the same serenity as when it was just her, Sari, and her hatchet in the woods. But Tabe doesn't see the sting in Naru's heart. He wants her to be a hunter and he wants to share his experience 
the way his father did for him. Tabe wades through the details of his story slowly, meticulously, and in return, his kid's sister rolls her eyes and pretends to snore. To Naru, Tabe will always be her big brother first. And brothers need to be teased, especially when they are long-winded in their storytelling. Tabe is no stranger to her jests, so he slips back into the role of brother. He ends his story, then casually shoots Naru's prey out of the air. Off her frustrated look, Tabe simply informs her that she was sleeping. He doesn't know how deep his jab lands. Naru had been unsure of her shot, and her brother deftly got the kill. She insists she was waiting for the bird to fly back around. Naru is flush with an embarrassment she can't quite quell. But the moment isn't competitive between the two. Not really. It's good-natured and familiar. Naru can't put her finger on how or why, but she knows Tabe is trying to make space for her, and she leans into that feeling. She tells him something important. She tells him about the rumbling sound and the lightning in the cloud. She has been thinking about it all day, trying to piece together what it means. Her thoughts have been racing each time the vision leaks its way into her head. And if she could only return it to the world with words, if someone else could share this knowledge, maybe the thoughts wouldn't rampage her mind. I think it's a sign, she says. 
a thunderbird. It's time for my katamiya. Tabe hesitates. He's not sure his sister is ready, but there's a resolve in her eyes that he cannot ignore. Back at camp, Naru returns with a fish in hand and meanders over to the teepee where her mother grinds fresh herbs. She beams when her daughter enters. A glistening fire crackles in the center of the teepee. It's warm and inviting. Naru settles into the space and cuts off a small part of the fish for Sari and then cooks the rest for herself. She can read the forest to find where food grows or animals wander. She is also a practiced healer with a deep knowledge of the various medicinal plants and how to use them. Yet, one gift she still has yet to nurture is the one her mother so freely lays out now. The gift of sight. Naru's mother sees the work Naru has put into training Sari. And yet, Naru is not ready to see it in herself. Her mother asks Naru, with all the things that you are good at, why do you choose hunting? The question stings Naru like Tabe's story. She doesn't have the answer for her mother. Why does she want this? She simply does. In the back of her mind, the peaceful sensation of her alone in the woods with Sari wafts back in. The strength she found as each hatchet strike lands where she intends. She wants that, but she doesn't want to hide. And so the question wells up inside of her Why does she need to explain this to anyone? If she was a man, 
no one would question her. They would encourage her. All this effort she puts into proving herself, it would all dissipate if her tribe could accept her. Naru looks at her mother and the glint of the fire flickers in her eyes because you all think that I can't, she says. Her mother's expression softens. Naru isn't ready to hear what she has to say. But she knows it is only a matter of time until Naru flowers into who she is meant to be. Before the conversation gets too far, Naru's mother switches the subject. She asks Naru to go out and get some more orange tutsia, a flower that will complete the medicinal salve she has been working on. Naru knows the plant well and ventures out to the fields nearby. She steps lightly through a vast array of plant life, searching for her target. It's not long before she spots a field speckled with the amber flowers. She fills her bag as Sari leaps through the field trying to catch the various bugs. Jumping out of the young pup's way. For a second, the peace Naru has been chasing sneaks back in. Finding this plant, knowing how to harvest it, and what to do with it reminds her of the confidence that flows through her when she throws her hatchet. But it's not the same. Not quite. And the moment of peace is brief. It's interrupted by the sound of voices in the distance. Naru packs her bag and heads back to camp. There, she finds the other hunters preparing their weapons. It's getting late, and some of them are tired. 
But what they are about to do is necessary to ensure that everyone in the camp can sleep soundly. One of the men has gone missing, and a large cat has been spotted not far from the camp. It is the hunter's duty to make sure their companion is safe. They take off into the woods, creeping slowly and carefully so as not to make a sound. Their hearts pound in their chest to the same steady beat. They may be ten separate men, but as they make their way through the forest, they act as one. Behind them, a twig snaps, and the party turns to assess the sound. Naru peeks her head out. She's grinning at the men who had tensed at the sound of her approach. They relax when they see her but many still feel embarrassed that she managed to startle them. Her grin sears the embarrassment deeper, and two of the warriors push back, insisting she should go home. Tabe disagrees. He's put at ease having his sister here. She is a good tracker and a skilled healer. If she comes along, he will not have to worry about what happens after they find their friend. His reassurance pacifies the rest of the group, and they begrudgingly add her to the party. Together, they track through the dense trees, bows ready, breath steady. But they are not the only predators in the forest this night. Nearby, something new to the forest watches. It studies the way the wind blows through the trees. How the birds drift through the air the way ants crawl across the forest floor and 
the way a snake bears its fangs. Under the cover of a glistening shield, it steadily takes in the world. It's learning. Naru and the hunting party learn too. Sari leads them to traces of their lost friend. Naru looks for hints on the plants and on the ground. There's signs all around them, and a spark of confidence flickers back into Naru's mind. At the head of the party, she leads them through the trees, closer and closer, until she spots Puhi, the man they are looking for, resting against a rock. Something had tried to force him to sleep, and although it did not succeed, Puhi is very tired. Naru pulls out the orange flower she had foraged for her mother's salve and feeds it to the man. Her brother's friend, Itsy, is nervous about the flower. Too much of the orange wonder could push anyone into a permanent slumber. But Naru isn't worried. She knows this plant well. Her heart is steady and her mind is clear. Itsy's concerns are whispers in the face of her steadfast resolve. She measures out more petals and continues feeding them to Puhi. It will slow his heart beat, but Naru is sure it will keep him awake. The rest of the hunting party fashions a stretcher, but Tabe knows their job here is not done. Whatever came after their friend is nearby, and the camp will not be able to rest soundly until they know that what was hunting them is heavy with sleep. If he can find the cat now, his people can relax. He takes a deep 
and sets his intentions. He's going to track down the cat and send it off to sleep. Naru wants to help. She knows the foe they are hunting is no ordinary cat. When she led the party through the woods, she had noticed unusual markers, things she had never seen in the forest before. She can't put her finger on it yet, but so many odd events happened today. The thunder, the snare, the clouds. Naru will feel safer knowing she is by her brother's side. But Tabe also wants to prove himself and put his own mind at ease. He encourages Naru to stay with the returning party and her patient. She complies and takes off with the rest of the warriors as her brother stalks deeper into the forest, bow ready for whatever he might face. Hopefully my voice is just an echo in your subconscious right now. But if not, let's use this opportunity to take a few breaths in and out. And another in and then out. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to follow Lethal Lullabies wherever you get your podcasts in order to receive updates on our latest releases.
For longer content, consider becoming a subscriber on Spotify for $2.99 a month. You get access to our full sleep stories and maybe even some personalized content. Plus, it really helps us out. But no matter how you choose to participate, we never tire of our lovely community of sleepyheads. Thank you for your listens, likes, and action-loving vibes. Good fight and good night.